world's favorite game. I think we had some uh, UFC on this weekend, didn't we? Didn't get to see the chaos. But Wei Li Zhang was fighting in the women's strawweight contest. And she got the dub. Shout out to Wei Li. Yeah, first time I saw Wei Li, she was in... She was in a crazy fight. You know when they were just trading blows? Do some stand up and fight. Like you take a shot, I take a shot, you take a shot. Like let's see who's the hardest. Man, she has heart. Like that's when I became a Whaley fan because I thought, yeah, she's got heart. She's a tough fighter. Shout out to Whaley. But onto the football. It's been a crazy week, a crazy weekend of football. There's been so much going on. I am absolutely cream crackered because I've been watching football all weekend and I'm recording super late. As I'm recording right now, there's a game on Juventus playing Udinese. And Juventus are 3-0 up at this point. Um, and yeah, I've been watching football since Friday um, and then staying up late to watch Leo Messi at stupid o'clock. And then following up with the women's world cup final so let's get into the headlines let's go let's go let's go all right so manchester city win the uefa super cup into miami win the league's cup england lose the world cup final the women's world cup final that is and neymar signs for al hilal absolutely huge headlines there as i'm sure you would agree um in terms of the brands, you know, we've got all of the regulars. We've got Sky Sports, we've got TNT Sports, we've got BBC, we've got Marca, and um, The Athletic as well. We've got a couple of stories from there. And uh, a bit from The Guardian, which is quite interesting too. But yeah, I mean, um, like I say, what a week. it's been a crazy weekend and I'm absolutely knackered, so I'm going to try and whiz through... But you know what they say about best laid plans of mice and men. So well, let's try. Let's try and whiz through. Um, where do I start? Where do I start? Let's start. Ladies first. You know how we do. Let's start with the ladies. So, England made to suffer in Women's World Cup final heartbreak. I've got a story here from ESPN by Tom Hamilton. He said that tactical tweaks, replacements and sheer grit weren't enough to get England across the line. Now I watched this one and it was a shame man, it was a shame that the Lionesses couldn't get the job done. I honestly thought it, it was coming home. I just felt like, have you ever watched the game and just thought this is what's going to happen, I know it, I know it, this is what's going to happen and it just doesn't happen. That was me this weekend. So unfortunately the Lionesses couldn't get the dub, Spain won it. But shout out to Spain. They played well. They got some really talented players over there. And, you know, it's, it's just is what it is, man. Um, but I've got this article here that goes into an in-depth analysis on the game. Um, you know, they're talking about various different players throughout the match and about all of the events. That's going to be in the show notes so you guys can read that and get your in-depth story on what happened, right? Continuing with the Women's World Cup final, we've also got some player rings here. 
Uh, this comes from the Telegraph. There's quite a few people doing player ratings now, so it's possible I could get, like in the future, maybe I could get a few different sources of player ratings and we could compare. Um, maybe not, maybe it's not even worth it, who knows. Anyway, according to the Telegraph, um, they feel like England played pretty well, right? Mary Earps has got eight. That's a solid rating. That's a, that's a very solid rating. Eight. Lucy Bronze, they gave her a six. Jess Carter, seven. Millie Bright, six. Alex Greenwood, seven. Rachel Daly, six. Kira Walsh, six. Georgia Stanway, six. Ella Toon, five. Lauren Hemp, seven. Uh, Alicia Russo got a five, two. So it kind of looks like, you know, they think that England played all right, but maybe could have been a bit better. Um, they got a few ratings for the subs as well. Uh, oh, sorry, no ratings for the subs. They just listed them. Um, so on to Spain. Now they've rated Cata Cole as a seven. Owner Battle with an eight. They've called her a class act. Irene Paredes with an eight. Said she's a no nonsense centre back. Leia Codina with a seven. Olga. Carmona gets a nine. I mean, come on, Telegraph. Are you like British or what? What's going on? You're giving the Spaniards all of these high ratings. What's going on, mate? Um, Spain's inspirational skipper scored a stunning goal and thrived with the responsibility to show how the biggest games bring the best from the top players. The difference. I mean, I have to agree. She was fantastic. The goal she scored was clinical. Clinical finishing. Teresa... Abayera with an 8 see there's two L's in her name so I kind of said it like how you say Paella Abayera could be wrong but you never know uh, Aitana Bonmati sounds like a bit of an Italian name doesn't it Bonmati um, she gets an 8 uh, and they're saying she's one of the Spanish trio of playmakers monopolising the possession you know how they like to play their tiki taka and that Jennifer Hermoso gets a seven. I like Hermoso. Um, Mariona Caldente gets a seven, Alba Redondo gets a six, and Salma Pariuelo 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 Salma Pariuelo. Uh, she gets a seven as well. For running the England's defence ragged So It kind of looks like The Spanish players have performed At a much higher level Just looking at these numbers here You know I thought it was a quite an even contest I thought England were quite unlucky um, Although Spain Could have had a penalty It was just one of those things where It was just one of those things where It just wasn't going to be England's day You know Spain played well I think they deserved their win Shout out to them But the Lionesses will be back They most definitely will be um, So I've got a little clip here Of the moment that Spain lifted the World Club You guys can see that in the show notes Look at them all jumping up and down on the podium Must be nice say, eh? Being a Spanish football fan right now Must be nice Your world champions jumping on the podium um, There's a little focus here that I found On Young Salma Parayuelo 
because she's actually the first player in football history to be the reigning World Cup champion at under 20 and at senior level at the same time. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Like, nobody's ever done that before. Not CR7, not R9, not Messi, nobody. Not even Maradona and Pele and, like, nobody. And she scored two goals in the final, in the under 20 World Cup final, which was in 2022. She scored two goals against Japan. And then one year later, she becomes the first Spanish player to be named Young Player of the Tournament at a World Cup. Decorated. Um, Oh, and she won the Under-17 World Cup and the Under-17 Euros in 2018. Yo! Yo! What club does she play for? Hey, I'm going to have to take this girl a bit more seriously. Salma Pariuelo. What? Hey, listen. Hey, Arsenal. Hey, Edu. Edu. I don't know, like, if you got any money left for the Arsenal ladies team, but this is looking like you might have to uh, find a few quid for this Salma Pariuelo. We're looking at a world-class player right here, my guy. So, uh, yeah, if you can loosen up the purse strings, pull out two, two gold nuggets... Yeah, make some phone calls. Do your thing. Do your thing, boss man. Shout out to Salma. It's another young Don on the rise. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't all... Um, well, it was a whole lot of excitement for Spain. Celebrating their win, right? And uh, I've got this article from Marca that pointed out something that's a little bit bizarre because the president, right? The Spain... I think he's the the Spanish FA president like he was celebrating you know like when they're going up on the podium and they're collecting their medals and then they shake hands with the officials and then they go off right you always see that at tournaments but this time when they were shaking their hands there was this one official that was super excited he was hugging and kissing everybody and this one player instead of giving her like you know like how they do in Spain and France and that they do like the kiss on the cheek they do it in Italy as well don't they um, all of that kissy kissy but he kind of just grabbed her and kissed her square on the lips and it's like what <laughs> like, what are you doing mate got a little bit carried away um, so yeah Marco captured that moment there which is a, a little bit of a bizarre thing to see at a World Cup final of all places um, but yeah there's been some great moments in this Women's World Cup I'm just going to capture one or two of them. There is uh, a little roundup here of some of the highlights. One of my favourite moments is this little um, this little koala. There was a mascot that was knitted by uh, someone in the German team, and it's like a little koala bear which became their mascot, which is kind of kind of a cute story. I like that one. Um, there was Nuhaila Benzina who became the first World Cup player to wear a hijab I feel like that's a powerful moment I remember when I saw that image when I first heard that story I thought yeah that's dope that's big but for some reason I never covered it in previous episodes Um, so I'm glad I could speak on it now Um, because that's like Iconic man, that's an iconic moment. She's literally there's a little picture of her standing on the pitch wearing the hijab in her football kit. Come on, 
Come on now, all the hijabi girls are gonna love that. Um, we've got. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it from from the moments. Um, that's a little uh, article from the Guardian. You can catch that in the notes. Um, but there's a few more other moments captured in photography uh, by BBC Sport. Um, so yeah, just loads of great sort of sporting moments from this Women's World Cup captured in pictures with little captions on them as well ending with of course the ladies the Spanish ladies the World Cup champions celebrating great way to end it um, but yeah moving on from the World Cup I found this really interesting article from Sky Sports shout out to Vicky Hodges um, so they do this series where they kind of focus on the future of football and this one delved into the strategies that they're using in the women's game in club football the strategies that they're using to kind of widen their audiences and I thought it was quite an interesting read so I'm slapping this one in the notes if you guys want to read that you might think like I remember on the other podcast that uh, we did here play on podcast I remember having a conversation about the women's game and about how much money there is in the women's game and we, you know whenever that conversation comes up you end up talking about equal pay and should women be earning as much as men and yeah you know if the money's in the game then I think they should be why not but if the money isn't in the game then where's the money going to come from you know but this was a great article that shows you how they're trying to expand their audience and to get that money you know um, and there's loads of details in there one thing I liked was when they touched on the double header strategy this is something that I know from being an Arsenal fan and seeing how they have been in the past there's been some Arsenal ladies matches scheduled at the same time as a men's match so it's the kind of thing you might see in pre-season you might see Arsenal ladies playing at 12 and then the men are playing right afterwards at like 2 or something so you buy your ticket for the pre-season match and then you get there at 12 you watch the ladies and then you stay till 2 and then you watch the men or some people come just for 2 watch the men but if you decide to come early you can catch the, the ladies too so double header that's an interesting way to widen their audience to get more people in I also thought it was quite interesting that they have an audience of people who watch football right football fans football watchers but they only watch the women's game like there's a specific audience that don't watch men's football but they do watch men's football I thought that was quite interesting because that's like a very niche audience that they've got right so if they can work that audience and if they can grow that audience they've got something different there that the men don't have i mean i'm sure there's going to be men that watch or an audience that watch men's football but they don't watch women's football but i i wasn't actually aware of that and it's something i've never thought of before i thought it was quite interesting and um they've also got this live broadcasting on tiktok which i thought is another interesting strategy uh, using social media to reach a, a different demographic which you might get through traditional media really interesting stuff I thought so from a strategy standpoint this might be a good read for anyone interested in strategy swiftly moving on um, so going from the women's world cup and those kind of strategies there in the women's game over to another cup in the men's game we're talking about the UEFA Super Cup 
So Manchester City have won this trophy after a penalty shootout victory over Sevilla. Um, this one comes from the official Manchester City media department themselves. Shout out to Neil Lay. I'm giving him a shout out like I know him. He's just a guy that wrote the article. I have no idea who this guy is. Good article though. And um, yeah, he says after five successful penalties for City, a miss by Sevilla's Nemanja Gujlej, secured the prestigious prize for Pep Guardiola's side after a clash played out at the Georgios Karasak what? Georgios Karasakis Stadium you know you have to practice these kinds of names when did they rename okay so this was an okay so this was actually played at the Olympiakos Stadium which is called the Georgios Karasakis Stadium that's the last time I'm going to try and pronounce it. Yeah, they played in the Olympiacos Stadium. Let's just say that. So, um, Pep Guardiola has won a ridiculous amount of trophies now. And, um, you know, last season they won the treble, didn't they? They won the Champions League, they won the Premier League, and the FA Cup. Man City won it all, they won everything. They became twinned with that legendary side of the other side of Manchester from 1999 that's probably the one thing that the United fans had over City fans all this time you know oh, you might think you're so great but we won the treble you haven't won it well they've done it now and on top of that they followed it up with the Super Cup so it's like four consecutive trophies well I, to be fair they did have the Charity Shield which uh, obviously Arsenal won so that kind of interrupted their little run of trophies but it's always nice to win the Super Cup. I'll take that and put that in the cabinet for sure. So, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think this City team is an interesting one. I could talk about them for a little bit, but I'm going to keep it moving because I'm actually kind of knackered. Shout out to City. There's um, links to all of this in the show notes as per usual. And I've got some highlights from the Super Cup final. So, should you even call it a final? Because it's just a UEFA Super Cup, isn't it? You know, when you need to call it a final, it's kind of like a one-off game. Um, so, for those that aren't aware, the UEFA Super Cup is a match between the winner of the Europa League and the Champions League. And so, they just kind of face off at the start of the season after they won those titles. And it's Manchester City who beat Seville. So, it's a nice trophy to have. I just kind of like the look of it. I think I'm just going to quickly press play on this clip. Look at it. Man. Nice little shield. And they both come out when they're at the start of the match carrying these big trophies. The Europa League trophy is huge. So is the Champions League trophy. Imagine winning one of those. Awesome. Anyway, onwards we go. Onwards we go to a club called Inter Miami. Now, Inter Miami has this new collaboration. They've teamed up with sportswear. Is it sportswear? Do you want? Maybe I want to call them urban clothing, urban streetwear. They've teamed up with an urban streetwear brand, Bape. Some may know them, Bathing Ape. Uh, they're very big. They're very popular amongst the youth, and their stuff sells at a premium. 
Um, I'm going to put a little link to this little trailer that they've got in the notes. And um, it's, quite, it's quite a cool trailer, man. It looks trendy. You know, they've got the Inter Miami branding and the colors in there. And so it looks like their merchandise is now available in the Bape store. So, yeah, you can go on to Bape and you can go and have a look and see what they've got. You can get yourself some Bape Times into Miami garments. Maybe some of that stuff's going to be interesting. I kind of like the the animal characters that Bape used to do. So if they've got something like that, that would be interesting to see. What I really want to see is Bape do something with the GOAT concept. Because, you know, we always call Leo Messi the GOAT, right? And Bape has these animal characters. Like they've got this bathing ape, right? They've got the ape. So... I'd like to see them do something with the GOAT to kind of represent Messi. I think that would be a cool thing to do right there. Um, and you've got, moving on from that, you've got a feature on Robert Taylor. This comes from The Athletic. Um, unfortunately, you're going to need a subscription to The Athletic to read this article. But it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, they, they All their content is brilliant, to be fair. So it's well worth a subscription and um yeah i've been doing little features on key people at inter miami every time i get on here and i think it's good to be able to talk about robert taylor because he is maybe a bit of an unsung hero because they've got these glamorous big names now with messi busquets and alba signing and he's stepped up his game he's stepped up so hard he looks just as good as anyone else in the team. And he's got this nice little link up that he's got with Leo Messi. They're setting up goals for each other. Um, you know, he's getting involved in the tiki-taka and the flicks and the tricks. He's looking like a really good player. And he's not, you know, like one of these youngsters, like early 20s. He's like, I think he's 28, 29 now. Uh, yeah, okay. In the article it says he turns 29 in October. So it's like he's peaking now towards the end of his career. But what a peak, what a time it is to peak. It's a great time. He picked a great time for it. It's fantastic football they're playing. They've got uh, loads of statistics over here showing the touch. There's like a little touch map showing about where Robert Taylor is being utilized and where he's most effective. It's quite interesting how they compared how he was being used in the previous regime under Phil Neville to how he's now being used under Tata Martino and essentially they're saying under Phil Neville Taylor was asked to stay wide and pretty much whipping crosses for the striker but according to Brown it says here according to Brown Taylor's natural game is to drift inside into central positions and he's a very good technician he say uh, but what he is I've seen like I said I've been seeing him playing some tiki taka and linking up with Messi and stuff and he has been doing it he has been drifting inside and into Miami seem to be reaping the benefits of that little tactical change uh, so shout out to Tata Martino for being able to get the best out of Robert Taylor yeah I like watching Taylor man like honestly he seems like one of those players with the high energy he can get up and down the pitch and he's got pace as well when they're on the counter attack I'm always looking out for Taylor breaking forward on the left and he seems to have two decent feet 
His crosses are pretty good. He can score goals. Um, like I say, he's he's an intelligent player. Um, yeah, I like him. And it's like it just kind of look. He looks like he's on the same kind of level with Messi and Alba and Busquets. Like he doesn't look like they're on a whole different level to him, which I think is fantastic. It's fantastic that he can step his game up and he can look that good. Hopefully it continues. Long may it continue. Shout out to Robert Taylor, unsung hero at Inter Miami. Um, got another article from the Athletic here. This one I'm not going to read. Uh, I'm not going to focus on. It's a feature on Leo Messi, and they delve into the background into how the whole move came around, and it's like years in the making. Years in the making. It's something that might not have even happened. You know, they kind of needed to rely on a little bit of luck. But, and you know, the owners were involved. You can get all of this in-depth info about who was behind, who was instrumental in making this deal happen. You're going to have to pay for your subscription to get that info though. But yeah, shout out to Paul Paul Tenorio. Great article for The Athletic there. Um, I'll definitely recommend reading it if you do decide to get your athletic subscription. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where you go for a player like Leo Messi, you know it's just going to change everything, right? You sell that to him, you sell him the idea that he can be an iconic player and he can change everything. And that has come to pass, hasn't it? If you've been tuning into the MLS and watching, then you'll see the fanfare, you'll see how absolutely bonkers the football fans are going for Leo Messi over there and you're hey I just saw a, a guy that I signed in career mode Illing Jr he's on the pitch for Juventus right now but anyway um, yeah it's just Messi magic man Messi magic if you haven't been watching Messi in MLS yet you know there's going to be a link in the show notes maybe in the description of wherever you're listening to this and you can just click that link you can get onto the MLS season pass you can sign up for it and hey if you don't want to pay for it you do have the option to cancel your subscription you get 30 days for free you get 30 day free trial Apple are very gracious like that and you could literally watch MLS watch Leo Messi at Inter Miami for 30 29 days and just cancel on the 29th day and you won't have to pay a penny so you do have the option to do that um, link might be in the description if not it's definitely in the show notes so go ahead and click on the Apple link and set up your account so you know you can watch this stuff with me man why not um, I've got a clip and this is a clip of something that happened before the League's Cup final we're getting into the League's Cup final now right this was Nashville versus Inter Miami. Talking about, I was just talking about the MLS season pass, which you get through Apple TV. And uh, on Apple TV, they have this series where they're focusing on all of the MLS teams and they're giving you, it's like a feature. They're just kind of going down to the club, talking to the people at the club, giving you the background, giving you the backstory. And I was watching the feature they have on Nashville is quite an interesting club they've got over there um, there's British people involved in running it I didn't realise that to be honest 
Um, and uh, it, it kind of made me, it kind of gave me a little bit more of a, a vested interest in the final when I watched that before the final. And yeah, they played really well. And one thing I didn't realize is that there's an owner, a minority owner, who is actually one of my favorite people. It's actually the Greek freak, Giannis. He's a minority owner in Nashville, the club that plays in the League's Cup final against Inter Miami. And in the League's Cup final, he was on the pitch, entertaining the fans, doing a, a little bit of a penalty shootout. And when he hit the ball, when he scored, he actually goes and does the Ronaldo celebration. It's hilarious. There's a little clip of that. So you can go and see that at the shoulders. You go see Giardis having a great time entertaining the crowd doing his Ronaldo celebration. Uh, it's quite funny because obviously Leo Messi's on the pitch, uh, Ronaldo's arch rival, and he's like a an owner of the opposite team doing Ronaldo's goal celebration. So it's, he brought the, the Messi and Ronaldo feud to the League's Cup final, didn't he? <laughs> um, I've also got a clip of the walkout, you know, Messi walking out with his mascot. This girl looks absolutely stoked as all the mascots usually are. Oh, sweetest thing ever. They're, they're really doing this, uh, this family environment over here on the MLS season pass and uh, this is another one that's uh, another heartwarming moment I've also got I've got a whole bunch of clips here I've also got some clips showing you Leo Messi's goal look at this angle we're off the goal he scored in the final was absolutely it was just exquisite classic Leo Messi where he picks the ball up and just darts it like when he runs with the ball it's like it's almost like a ballet dancer just drifting you know just drifting so graciously and delicately they can't and he's the kind of player where because he's not like really big and if you pressure him you kick him like he's gonna go down man because he hasn't got the stature and the body weight so if you kick him you're probably going to concede a foul. And if you concede a foul anywhere in and around the box, God help you because Messi is lethal when it comes to taking free kicks. So it's like they were struggling to to touch him as he's running, he's running, he's running, and then the opening comes, wham, whips it into the top bins. Just the precision and the power and the swerve. Ah, oh, man. Leo Messi only Leo scores goals like that that's fantastic on to the penalty shootout so this game was a one all affair went to penalties and it was a long drawn out penalty shootout that got all the way to the goalkeepers I'm not going to spoil the drama for you you guys can go and see that in the show notes you can go and click the link on that but what is obviously known is the result and the end result is Inter Miami win the League's Cup. Oh yeah. You know, I had a little um, a dilemma because I was thinking, what am I going to put? What, what's going to be the cover story? Like, is it going to be Inter Miami winning the League's Cup? Is it going to be England winning the uh, the Women's World Cup? Is it going to be Manchester City winning the Super Cup? Am I going to do all three? I was in a bit of a dilemma, but 
Unfortunately, the Lionesses didn't win the Women's World Cup, so it made my decision a little bit easier, to be fair. But yeah, Leo Messi wins his first trophy with Inter Miami. First of many, obviously. And it's his 44th career trophy, which gives him this record of being tied as having the most trophies won in football history like man if you weren't watching the game you missed a chance to see history in the making that's why I'm watching it because he's breaking records man Leo Messi there's a little shout out to him from Barcelona all this is going to be in the show notes and they said congrats to Leo Messi for being the joint most decorated footballer of all time 44 trophies proud to be part of this incredible story and they've got a picture of him with a whole bunch of trophies around him this looks like uh the trophies that barcelona probably have in their trophy cabinet they've just arranged them around leo and taken a photo that is a fantastic photo as well decorated there's a lovely moment of uh the team celebrating and messi giving the the league's cup trophy to the former captain before he arrived so DeAndre led um excuse me DeAndre Yedlin was the captain of Inter Miami before Messi signed and when he came to this trophy lift he took the armband off and gave it to the former captain and then he said to him go man grab the trophy let's go like he kind of gave him captain duties for the trophy which I thought that was a nice touch he just kind of wanted to let him know like yo you're still the captain bro and let's lift this trophy together so it was a nice, that was a nice little touch there from Messi. I've got more clips. I've got a whole bunch of clips. Messi and the boys celebrating behind the scenes. There's this one photo with the owner in there with all of his top boys. David Beck's yeah. Honestly, I'm starting to feel like David Beckham is my most. He's 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 the best suit in the world. There isn't a single suit that's as good as David Beckham I'm sorry David Beckham it's like look what he's doing man he's doing it large he's got this family club over there they're winning trophies he's brought one of the best players of all time to his football club the money must be going through the roof the attendance you got all of these celebrities coming down um yo it's messy mania over there man and Bex is a big part of that and we've also got uh, like a highlight reel of all the goals that Messi scored in the tournament all the goals that Messi scored in the league's cup so I'd recommend watching that because there's some fantastic strikes in there absolutely brilliant shout out to Leo shout out to Inter Miami um, come on man definitely go get yourself a MLS season pass so you can catch the rest of the matches and there's one more trophy as well um, I forget the exact name of this trophy I think it's called the US Open Cup and in Miami are in the semi-final and they've also qualified for something winning the League's Cup qualifiers into Miami and the opponent both of them into Miami and Nashville both qualify for another tournament which I think is like um, you know what I don't want to I don't want to give you guys the incorrect information Obviously, I've still got a whole bunch of reading to do about this competition from the other side of the world to me. So I'll get back to you on that because they both qualified for a new competition. And 
there's also this US Open Cup which Inter Miami are going to be playing the semi-final in soon maybe I'll be covering that on the next episode but swiftly moving on we've got something from the Hindustan Times here which is a quick article about Arsene Wenger doing a visit to India now why would Arsene Wenger be going to India you might be thinking well it's because as you know he's working for FIFA right maybe you didn't but he is the chief of global football development at FIFA he's doing big things for FIFA and he's going over there to do some youth development he's going to be working with the Indian academies and setting up some kind of a provision for training boys and girls at the kind of under 13s level so I think that's fantastic there's like an organization called the AIFF all India Football Federation and you know the president has kind of said yeah Wenger's going to be coming he's going to help us to set this thing up he said he's glad to say that we're on the verge of setting up a state-of-the-art centralized academy in India along with FIFA with Mr. Arsene Wenger playing a key role in the whole setup uh, his name is Chobe and yeah um it looks like they're trying to actually produce some top quality players in India. You know, if you've got Arsene Wenger involved, surely he's going to ensure that you have the infrastructure that you need to meet whatever goal that it is that you're working towards. And who knows, maybe we will be seeing Indian players being produced from this academy in the next few years. Maybe we'll be seeing them going to the top leagues around the world. Maybe they'll be in the MLS. Maybe they'll be in the Saudi Pro League. Maybe they'll be in Europe. Who knows? Who knows? Talking about the Saudi Pro League. We've got a transfer here. And it's a big one. Neymar. Neymar. They signed Neymar. Like, are you kidding me? Neymar? They signed Neymar. And there's a huge trailer that they put out, Al Hilal. They put this trailer out on there, like, like a welcome trailer. And on his Twitter, Neymar put this video on there, which was like his unveiling. Incredible. Like the way that they're welcoming the stars over there. Man, they've got all of these lights lit up. Like there's a whole stadium filled with people. I think this was before one of their matches when they announced him and it's like a a light show above the stadium they got his face popping up in the lights look at him he's walking out coming out like they've got all the smoke in the lights it's like it's like a WWE kind of walkout like wow they're doing it big over there look all of these sparklers on the side all of the mascots the kids in the kit shaking their hands clapping doing like high fives as he walks out it's, it's impressive you guys got to see this there's a little clip of this that's going to be in the show notes Neymar is a blue Neymar now plays his football for Al Hilal I mean what can you say what can you say Marco covered this I'll stick that one in the show notes Honestly, I don't think it's the best article in the world. I probably just put it in there because uh, I found this ages ago, but um, and I didn't find anything 
I don't continue looking for any more information on this story. But yeah, it's in there if you want to read it. A bit of further info. Neymar is playing in Saudi. It's just it, the thing blows my mind that they've managed to do this. It's just crazy. He now becomes the most expensive player ever in when it comes to accumulated transfer fees. So we've got a little top five here. We've got Alvaro Morata at number five. He's a bit of a journeyman. He's moved around a bit and his accumulated fees come to 189 million euros. At number four, we've got Osumain Dembele. He's had three transfers and accumulated a total of 220 million euros in transfer fees. Number three is Cristiano Ronaldo. I wouldn't really call him a journeyman, but he has had four transfers and accumulated fee total of 247 million. Then you've got Romelu Lukaku, who really is a journeyman. Seven transfers, accumulated fees of 333 million euros, but Neymar just pips them all. Only three transfers and accumulated fees of 390 million euros. The most expensive player ever. Wow. I hope he's going to be good there. I hope he's going to be good because there's so many good players in that league. Now, you know, we're going to have to keep watching this league and watching the highlights. Um, I've got another uh, bit of info here from Al Nasser. They put out a little post because they wanted to congratulate their star, who also made a recent move from Europe, Marcello Brozovic, because he was ranked as number eight on UEFA Men's Player of the Year award. They've got the number eight UEFA Player of the Year in Saudi. That's a big deal. And in that team, that, that team that um, Brozovic is in, Al Nasser, that's the one with Mane and Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> it's bonkers, isn't it? They really did something over there. So, uh, moving on with more transfer talk, we've got an interesting post here from transfermarket.co.uk. And they're talking about this is the team of the summer so far. They've got their done deal 11, right? Completed summer transfers, total market value of 735 million euros. Hodgland up front alongside Harry Kane. Dembele and Kunku and Slobolai in midfield. I always say his name wrong. Soboslai. Or Soboslai. Uh, you know, the Liverpool guy. He had a pretty good game this weekend, actually. Um, he's a good player. Good player. Then you've got Bellingham and Caicedo. Shout out to Bellingham. He scored two goals this weekend for Real Madrid. He's absolutely... There was, um, I saw something with him saying how he thinks he's become 10 times the player he was since he started playing for Real Madrid. So he must be really loving the coaching and the opportunity to play with world-class talent. It's just raised his game. But I, I suppose if you're playing with Modric and Cruz and you're a centre midfielder, you must have learned a thing or two playing with them and training every day, right? So yeah, Bellingham and Caicedo in midfield. And then you've got Guardiol, Kim, who moved from Napoli to Bayern Munich. And Skrinra. 
Wait, was it Napoli that Kim was at? Um, I believe so. He was in the Italian league. Um, so Martin Scrinwell, he was a free transfer from the Italian league over to PSG, wasn't he? And then you've got David Rea on loan at Arsenal now. That's a pretty good 11. Hodgson and Kane up front. Dembele and Nkunku and Slobolai in attack. Bellingham and Casado in midfield. Guardiol, Kim, Scrinwell in defence. Rea in goal. Hey, that team could probably do something. Put that team together. Might win something with that. Um, another bit of transfer news is Alexander Mitrovic. So Mitrovic, he has also moved to the Saudi Pro League. And he's gone to Al-Halal. So he's going to be playing with Neymar. Just bonkers stuff, man. Bonkers stuff going on here. Uh, big article about it in Sky Sports. I read a few articles on this story, and there's a little. It's a little bit controversial because it seems like he was a bit of a one-way striker, and the club didn't really want to sell him. They were turning down offer after offer, and he kind of forced himself, forced a move, forced him his way out of there. Um, they put together a whole sort of timeline of events and everything, but he's gone, man. Mitrovic was a good striker. Maybe they're going to struggle to replace him. But I'm going to enjoy watching him, I'll tell you. Because he's a beast. And to have Mitrovic and Neymar in the same team. Wow. It's like... That's tactical flexibility. Because you've got two attackers with a completely different kind of game. So they should be able to complement each other very well. You can have Neymar playing as your number 10 in behind Mitrovic. He's going to be your big target man who can hold up the ball and battle with defenders. And then Neymar with the skills and the feet to kind of dance around players and open up opportunities. Yo. Both of them can score goals. Hey, man. Hey, they're cooking over there, you know. That team is actually cooking. So, yeah, that pretty much takes us to the end. Let's go and have a look at our transfer tracker from um, TNT Sports. And they've got a few headlines. PSG launch an official bid for France ace Randall Colomuani. I heard about that one. Reportedly 65 million euros. So imagine if they sign him. That's interesting. There's also talk that... There's also talk that Mbappe doesn't want to leave anymore. So... They could have an all-French attack. They could have Mbappe on the left... Dembele on the right and Kolo Mouani as playing strike and I believe that would be a really good look for PSG you know why not all French boys playing in your French team um, Bournemouth has confirmed the signing of Tyler Adams from Leeds City's reached an agreement in principle with Barcelona for Cancelo that's interesting news uh, Chelsea make contact with Arsenal over Balogun Chelsea if Chelsea really do sign Balogun 50 million they're saying I mean where do they get all of their money from like I know they're doing some some juju they're fiddling with loopholes and stuff they're signing players to these really long contracts they're giving them like 8 year 9 year deals and because they're able to spread the wages over these long periods of time 
this is something that helps them to get around the financial fair play rules, right? Because it's not like, okay, we're going to spend all the money right now. It's like we're spreading the money out. So, I don't know, let's say if it was 10 years, then you could say maybe 10% every year goes towards their yearly budget. So that's how they're getting around it. It's kind of interesting, actually. And I wonder if other clubs are doing the same. But quickly going to scroll through this track. I'll see what else we can find. We've got um, something from Ben Jacobs. He's talking about Amaric Laporte. Oh, Amaric Laporte is set to join Al Nassar from Manchester City. Oh, they've accepted an offer. Oof. Laporte to Al Nassar. Hey. Okay. Duncan Castles is talking about uh, Mbappe renewing his contract with PSG. Yeah, we've got this talk about Tyler Adams. And yeah, yeah, so those are the big stories. Oh, Fabrizio Romano has said that the deal for Nuno Tavares of Arsenal has collapsed with Nottingham Forest and now Aston Villa are in the mix. That would be interesting because Aston Villa have the ex-Arsenal manager the ex-Arsenal manager who I believe did manage Nuno Tavares. I could be wrong about that. But it is Unai Emery at Villa. So he probably does know Nuno. He's probably familiar with his game. And if he wants him at Villa, that could be something that works out, you know. It could be that he knows him and he's going to get the best out of him. And that's why he wants him. So, interesting. But, um, oh yeah, Mavropanos. West Ham have reportedly agreed a £19 million fee to sign Stuttgart's defender Konstantinos Mavropanos. So that's an ex-Arsenal player there. I always liked him when he was at Arsenal. I thought he was solid and I was quite sad to see him go. But looks like he might be coming back to the Premier League. Solid guy. Solid guy. So he should be a good defender for him. Yeah, so I'm going to leave it there. A whole lot of news. Uh, I didn't quite get out as early as I would have wanted to. Maybe I took a bit too long talking and I could have quickened things up. But you know how it is. We know how it is when we're talking football. We love talking football. It's world's favourite game. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to catch you guys in the next one. But for now, peace.